I wonder, have you ever read a book by its cover? We've probably all done it. Book publishers absolutely believe in the power of book covers. They say they're important and uh, you'll make more money out of a book. It's financial success has something to do with its book cover. But practically speaking, reading a book by its cover, if it's a, an 800-page fictional epic, it's not going to go that well for you, is it? Trying to read a book by its cover um, just doesn't work. It's a silly concept. Many of us come to church for years and years and we get to know each other like the cover of a book. You think about church. Do you think that's maybe a true statement? You get to know people. Have you met great expectations? Oh, they're a lovely person. I've never read the book, but the cover is lovely. And, hello, Huckleberry, Finn. Nice to see you again. It's another Sunday. Never read Huckleberry, Finn. Pride and Prejudice. Nice to see you're looking fine today. And Pride and Prejudice is like, I've got a great story inside of me. <laughs> You've never had the opportunity to actually go deeper and understand who I am. Of course, church is so much more than that. It's more than hellos and smiles and handshakes and even hearty amen said together, which feel good. Church... If you're a Christian and you know the Bible and you understand this idea of church, it's not a building as such, it's, it's a living body, the body of Christ. By the blood of Christ and faith in Christ, we, and, uh, uh, by the Spirit of God, join together somehow supernaturally and wonderfully and extraordinarily, um, curiously, we, join, we, we, we belong together. We're, we're a body. And uh, no matter how much time we spend together worshipping as a large group, and it only gets harder as you get bigger, there is a limit to how well we can get to know each other if it's only once per week. And let's face it, a lot of us don't come once per week. might be twice per month. might be once per month. And, you know, that's up to you. But if we had to live out our calling as the church, even just our mission statement as a church, love God, love others, make disciples, surely we need to invest a little more time in one another's lives. And of course, we're not suggesting that you stop interacting with those outside the church and just get a holy huddle, a little club. But I think sometimes we just don't give it the, the, um, the importance, the credence that it requires to build Christian community out of which we can do mission well. We've talked this year about uh, core values <clears throat> and uh, 12 core values that we have uh, thought a lot about from Scripture and from uh, our understanding of Christianity is identity, worship, obedience, faith, stewardship, family, care, transformation, truth, growth, multiplication and mission. These are all aspects of um, loving God, loving others <clears throat> and making disciples. So one key way to go deeper in our understanding of one another, our appreciation of our identity in Christ, 
worship of Christ, obedience to his word, and embracing of a life of faith is small groups. Midweek, typically, midweek gatherings of people who love Jesus and want to learn how to love one another as fellow family members in Christ. I don't know what um, you're used to in calling that small gathering. (coughs) Small groups, cell groups, home groups, Bible study groups, life groups. They have been literally around since the first century when they were called ecclesias, the gathering of the people of the followers of Jesus, where people would meet together, not just in a large gathering, but they'd meet in small gatherings, sometimes in the temple courts, sometimes in homes. Well, Lord willing, over the next three weeks, we're going to launch a new vision for small groups at Northern Life. And I hope you'll be encouraged to either continue in a small group or at least think about in your busy schedule, could it work that you could find a way to meet with a small group of people for encouragement and study the word and prayer? So at Northern Life, our small groups network are now going to be called Life hubs some groups will keep calling themselves whatever you've been calling yourself because uh, you can do whatever you like really it's not there's no sort of dictatorship but into the future we're going to try referring to our small group network as life hubs Um, it's hard to come up with a name that doesn't carry some sort of baggage and uh Many of us have had experiences, good and bad, with these groups, life, home, cell, Bible study, prayer, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've never heard of Life Hubs before, but it's something that we came up with and talked about it with the small groups and thought, you know what, that could work. Why would you call small groups at Northern Life Life Hubs? Because we're Northern Life and we believe that in Jesus we have the life that is truly life. Life and life abundant life and life eternal and this life is lived out in relational hubs of christian community hence life hubs so they're places to be rejuvenated in life a small gathering a life hub to enjoy life together to share the life-giving gospel of grace because it's not just for encouraging one another it's for others who don't know jesus to come into that small gathering and find out what the gospel says what the good news is small groups life hubs are places to say goodbye to life aren't they anyone done that yeah we've said this we've met with people and done life together and then we've said goodbye as they have left this life and gone on to the next and we've welcomed new relationships and new life and new joys and we we walk through the hardships of life so life hubs and it's in life hubs that we we live out our core values as a church um, and that's why um, in this little logo there's a triangle a circle and a cross and that is representing loving god the triangle the trinity pointing up to god the circle, which is inclusive of the world, loving others and stewardship and being um, people who take on that stewardship mandate to love the world and others for Jesus' sake. And then the cross is making disciples and it's not just a cross. looks like a Northern European country's flag or something there. Um, but the four squares are meant to represent making disciples is this one-on-one multiplication. 
plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 2 plus 2. So, yeah, that's an idea that we have there. Life hubs and uh, those shapes are not just because they look pretty. They're reminding us we're about loving God, loving others and making disciples. And let's try to do that in our small gatherings. Uh, when I thought about is, th is there a phrase that could encapsulate what these life hubs are about, I thought that makes a lot of sense, going deeper. Loving God and loving others, making disciples, is what we're trying to do all the time as individuals and as a gathering like this. But when you meet together with a smaller group in a more intimate setting, really to summarise what we're doing, it's to go deeper into those aspects. It's to go deeper and deeper into delight, deeper in devotion, deeper in discipleship. So that's what we're going to unpack. So today we're looking at loving God, going deeper in delight and how a small group, a life hub can help make that happen. Deeper in delight. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Have you ever thought much about that word delight? It carries so much weight, I think. To love God is not because we must love him, it's because we delight to love in him. It does something, it stirs our heart. It's not just a cerebral thing, it's not just a dutiful thing. It's, I love you, God, because you are the delight of my heart. And I think that word delight, for me, encapsulates the first four core values we have as a church. Loving God, and we've unpacked that to, to include we love God as we understand our identity, known and loved. We love God as we prioritize worship. Jesus is worth it. We love God as we embrace obedience. God speaks. We listen. And we love God as we step out in faith for him because we're so proud of him. His grace is enough. And so this one word that hopefully collects up those four core values for a small group is delight. Loving God is about going deeper in our delight of the Lord. The Christian life just can't be lived the way the New Testament talks about it being lived without delight. Think about some of these passages. Matthew 13, 44. Have a read of that. No one sells all they own to buy a field unless that field holds a treasure that has captivated the delight of their heart. Luke 19, 8 to 10. No one forsakes sin to trust and obey Jesus unless their delight in their salvation holds out far more pleasure than sin. Hebrews 11, verse 6. No one will draw near to God without delighting in the truth that he richly rewards those who seek him. When Paul talks in Philippians 3 about counting everything else as loss, everything else, no one does that unless they've discovered a delight in the, the gift of the righteousness of Jesus that is so much more than anything else. Matthew 19, verse 29. No one leaves houses or brothers or sisters or father, mother, children or lands for Jesus' sake without delight in the incentive of a far greater reward. 2 Corinthians 4. 
No one will willingly suffer for Jesus' sake. We're talking about martyrdom. Unless they believe their afflictions aren't worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory awaiting them. You can only live the way that we read in Scripture that we're meant to live when the resurrection and the life is the chief delight of your heart, John 11. Luke 12, Scripture says, It is impossible to love God with all our heart if we do not delight in him. To love God is to delight in him. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. So I asked our Life Hub leaders, how do you foster delight if delighting in the Lord would be a good thing? And so we met together and these are some of the things that um, they came up with. And we thought about identity, known and loved. How does a small group gathering, a Life Hub, help people grow in delight? And people talked about... um, the fact that in a small group gathering, in a life hub, you have this unique opportunity of hearing other people use words about you that lets you know that God knows you as they pray for you and you're reminded, not only do they know me, but as they remind me that I'm known and loved, it just reminds me God knows me. Romans 8 tells us that the Spirit testifies within us, you're a child of the living God. But God also uses audible words. So I want to ask you, when do you get that in life? If you're not in a small group of people who get to know you behind the cover story, they get to know your story, when do you hear those words that you're a child of God, that you belong? Uh, people talked about feeling like they belonged and uh, so they walk into a life hub, a small group gathering and there's something special when someone shakes your hand, that same group and they maybe give you a kiss, they give you a hug, they hand you a cup of tea and it feels like I'm in Christian community here and I feel like I belong, I'm known and I'm loved and then those people actually ask me about my story because they know my story and I'm reminded, now God knows me. These people know me. I'm not some just number. Psalm 139 tells us this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Life hubs do that. They, they remind us that God knows us because people know us. When people know you, they can use their words to affirm stuff in you about your identity. If people don't know you, you are so unlikely that another Christian is going to affirm a spiritual gift in you. Has anyone discovered that? Like if you're in a small group, if, you, if you're in a gathering of people and they're getting to know you, you're in unveiling some of who you are, the great thing about that is that someone else prompted by the Spirit of God can say, you know what, I think you've got a gift of evangelism. This happened in our group. 
In our group, one of the people in our group, we were looking at spiritual gifts and there was a time of affirmation as we were, were talking about what do we see in each other. And we, people saying, you know what, there's definitely a gift of evangelism there. You know what, out there, right out there, the next week, five days later, she led someone to Christ. It was the coolest thing because we thought we affirmed this gift and then she felt emboldened, saw an opportunity, prompted by the Spirit, and went and said, do you want to give your life to Christ? Yes, I do. Well, that sort of was easy. But it's hard to happen if we're not in an environment of relational intimacy. What about Jesus is worth it? So known and loved life hubs, they, they do some good stuff regarding that. The core value of Jesus is worth it. Um, you know, singing worship songs together is great like this. Has anyone really enjoyed uh, being in a small gathering? It might have been around a fire, um, singing Kumbaya. But there are other songs you can sing around a fire than Kumbaya. We, we had it the other day at our small group. We, 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 um, we turned the lights off and we put a candle, a couple of candles out. We put out a guitar and we sang some worship songs together. And it was special. It's special here when we do it, but it's something nice. It was even more special because Ellie was with us and he grabbed the guitar and started teaching us a song in Swahili. <laughs> and we're singing in Swahili and people are getting their phones out wanting to record it. You know how young people do this at least once a month? They get together purely to pray and worship. Are you enjoying that? Do you know what it's like? Or is it something that's just sort of passing you by? You don't enjoy the experience of worshipping Jesus because he's worth it. And the delight of worshipping him is stoked like a fire when it happens in a small group. Yes? Maybe you remember it used to happen. Did anyone look up the, the Robert Waldinger TED Talk that Mel put on, online? We talked about it's the search of happiness, the longest study of its kind ever done, 75 years. They said they reckon at age 50 they can look at your relationships and have a pretty good guess from a very big study, especially for men, how long you'll live. Now, we know the future only belongs to God, so we don't want to get too much into picking the future. But their study said bad, lonely relationships and, and, and loneliness is toxic for a human being. So I just want to encourage you scientifically and biblically, get yourself in a group of Christians where you can be encouraged. And don't forget the non-Christians as well. Amen? We need to be spurred on. We found scripture memorization. How does a, a small group help foster and stoke delights in the fact that Jesus is worth it? We found scripture memorization did that. We would do, ever done that in a group? Put your hand up. So in a small group, you go, we are going to study and learn about 20 verses together. And we all look at it and go, there's no way you could do that. It's impossible. So then you go around the group. 12 people and everyone's got to re remember a line and then you remembering oh that's when Barb was saying that line and not that Barb was in our group but I'm looking at you <laughs> um, and then each person goes around all of a sudden by 20 minutes in you have remembered this amazing verse and at the end it's weird it's so um, old school and simple scripture memorization how could that stoke the fire because scripture is the most incredible kindling to stoke the fire that we would draw our eyes up to the one who is worthy of our praise. 
And so we've done verses like this one. I can't remember, I thought we did this one, but let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Is the day approaching or not? Surely it is. Surely we're in the 11th hour of the 11th hour. Look, as the day approaches and the sense of persecution and challenge for a Christian walking in this dark world increases, Scripture says, don't give up meeting together. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. So we asked our leaders, how has your small group, your life hub, enhanced the idea that Jesus is worth it and people many people groups said you know what hearing testimonies in our group does that when people share the testimony that Jesus is real and he's done something in their life and they want to say I just want to give the glory to God praise Jesus he's come through again he's faithful the whole group is stirred to go yeah Jesus you're worth it you are you are faithful and you are good and other groups talked about sharing favorite passages and just hearing that other group member say what a, what a Bible passage meant to them, it tapped into their history of God's goodness and the worship of Jesus in their heart. And collectively, we, we sort of enjoy that testimony. And then our hearts are drawn to delight in the Lord. There's a lot going on when a group of Christians meet together to stir one another and encourage one another. So there are two parts. The third uh, part of our first four core values is God speaks, we listen. And let me read the passage Gary read for us. This is the great small group community scripture, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The early church met together in small groups and they devoted themselves to the word of God. And then they gave, they sold things, they looked after one another, they were rich in good deeds. How did that happen? I'd put it to you that they came under the word of God together and they went, well, I think that's what it's saying. We should do that because that's truth and our lives are going to come under that truth and we're going to be accountable have you found that if you're not in a small group at all of christians it's far easier to be unaccountable about how you live your life yes like if you don't let anyone know what's inside the cover of the book it's way easier to just cruise along and live in lonely isolation and the bible says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion who looking for who he may devour and he's looking for the straggler the lonely one who's not part of a encouraging accountable christian community i think we trick ourselves to think i go to church a couple of times a month and so now i'm accountable but hopefully we we have a a, a vision of being a church that that want to keep each other accountable in loving, close, safe, forgiving relationships. God speaks, we listen. Um, people, I asked the group, the leaders, how does this work? People talked about grappling with the word of God and enjoying it. Where you're with a small group and, uh, 
And you, you open up God's word and you read it and you all look at each other and you go, what does that mean? Anyone discovered that's a good thing? But that's awesome. Like the, the Bible's hard to understand, but we've got the Holy Spirit, not just to do it by ourselves, but in the collective group with the different gifts and the different experiences and the, the manifestations of the gifts for the common good, we can understand the scripture better. And then suddenly we go, whoa, we, we worked that out together. You know, that's Baptist heritage, communal exegesis, where the priest doesn't have all the answers. Everyone says, hallelujah. <laughs> we together come under the word of God and we say, hey, it's not in Latin. This is in English. We're all reading it. We've got it in our hands. We've got the Bible in a language that we can understand. So get together with another bunch of Christians and let the word of God speak. People talked about um, the truth of the Bible, God speaks, we listen. The delight in the word of God being, in, being enhanced as people cared for one another, as they were loved, as, as they saw people close up doing things and, and hearing the stories of in the workplace, loving somebody and just doing good deeds. It's almost like people talk about my faith was strengthened and my belief in the plausibility of the word of God, was enhanced. There's a delight that was um, increased as people saw others hearing God, listening and obeying. His grace is enough, the fourth of our core values. It speaks to living by faith as a way of loving God. How do we love God? We step out. We try things just because we love him. I wonder if any of the fathers with young kids here had uh, children at Father's Day who made you some audacious gift that was, you know, pretty terrible looking for anyone else. But for you, it was a masterpiece. Because they stepped out in faith, right? Because they love you. They're like, I love my dad. Here it is, dad. And he's like, oh, good on you. That's what we have to do. That's what his grace is enough means. Like, we've got grace. So we just want to do stuff, give it away because we love our dad in heaven. And life groups, life hubs, get us close enough to our brothers and sisters to hear their stories of stepping out in faith um, some groups have been stepping out together and uh, trying to give away the grace of God by doing good works for others, and that's great to hear. People at our church are doing lots of different things in their small groups. They're experimenting. Um, His grace is enough. Small groups give us proof after proof after proof, up close and personal, of God's faithfulness. Scripture says in Matthew 10, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That's our heart as a church. We want to hold things loosely. We receive the grace of God, give it away. We receive resources, they may be financial or otherwise, give it away. Take what you need, give it away. It's come by a gift, so we want to be a generous people. And small groups can just enhance that so much life hubs are about knowing and being known 
loving and being loved, serving and being served, celebrating and being celebrated. So this little graphic that we have here, um, next one back, I think, mate. Yeah, that one, which I'm thankful for Benny for putting together. Um, we have this triangle, which means loving God, the Trinity, as I said before, and the circle means loving others, and the cross means making disciples one by one. Life hubs go deeper. The next slide, I think, shows us a picture of what life hubs are meant to be. I love this a line in the New Testament that says, the church that met at Lydia's house. And I see that and... Sometimes we think this is church, but church is 100% as much church, the church that meets at Cata Close, the Bradings place, or our place at Red Cedar, that the church that meets at Red Cedar Drive. Yes? We are Northern Life, but that's just a little localised name. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ together. And we can go anywhere in the world and meet someone and share communion together and say, brother, sister, like, we're in this together. But somehow we lose that along the way and we can think, I go to church. I go to a church. But we're the church. And then that's a powerful idea. Studium is the, some of the young adults call themselves that. And, um, so life hubs go deeper the idea, a vision for um, injecting small groups with some oomph, I think is encapsulated by that. This little symbol is our Northern Life logo. It's really just like a compass. It's pointing north. We're about Jesus that way, true north. And so when you see a little symbol there, it means Northern Life Red Cedar. And, you know, if I was to really share my heart of it, I, I, I would I long to be part of a church where most people get saved attending the church of Northern Life Mount Cola because it's so normal when you meet in a house and you meet around a meal and you, you, you have you're just sitting on a couch talking about life and someone's husband or partner or whatever it is that... They get invited in or some friend comes in and they sit down. This feels completely normal, really. They're just people. But they come in here. It's like, whoa, they're all sitting in this direction. Look, oh, this is weird. Wouldn't it be great to have Northern Life, the expression of the Church of Northern Life, being in all these homes and other places and we have a missional agenda because we want to invite others in. Sometimes we get really closed with our small groups that's okay, you do whatever you want. But it's great to have small groups that don't care how big they get. Come on in, come on in. It's about community. It's about the Word of God. It's about praying. How can we love you? And then someone comes in who doesn't know Jesus and they start getting to know these people and all of a sudden they feel like they belong. And as they watch other people and they, get, they, they start to behave a little bit differently and so they're belonging and they behave and then all of a sudden... You know what happens next? They're believing. <laughs> They're believing that Jesus is the Son of God and the Saviour of the world. And one day, they'll come along here and they say, Oh, I go, go to another church normally. I go to Northern Life um, Cataclose. What's this church? Oh, you probably call us the Mothership. 
We're, we're, we're Northern Life Central. You're part of our church. Oh, right. I didn't know that. To me, that's a beautiful picture of what Life Hubs are all about. Expressions of Christianity in relational contexts where discipleship happens, where mission happens, where, where love can happen practically. And how big are these life hubs? They could be three people or they could be 20 people. You know what? They could be 30 people. Like it doesn't really matter who leads them. They're led by shepherds. They're led by teachers. They're led by evangelists. They're led by prophets, all sorts of different giftings. Someone's got to, to lead them. They can't just do their own thing. They've got to be part of a sense of a coordinated sense of vision as a church or we'll have church splits everywhere. But um, I see those roles as they're not quite elders, but gee, they're really important, people leading small groups because they help us become the church that we want to be. And I, I don't know about you, but I've had different experiences in small groups. They just started calling them life hubs. And we went for a long time without being in one because the last one we were at wasn't that great. And then we got this group together, a big group, about 20 people, and we went around our last church and we said, tell us about your experience of small groups. And they went, oh, it was terrible. Group counselling session, blah, blah. It was all the bad things. And we said, let's see, if, let's see if we can have a good time. So we did. We had a great time. Um, we studied an overview of the Bible and we shared and we prayed and we ate together and... All of a sudden, we had this ecclesia happening. We had the good stuff. We had Christian community. We were all around. There's about 20 of us around a double table at our house. We're having a meal, and everyone's deep in conversation, and we're all a bit squished in. And I see this, the biggest guy in our group, Mike Pollyblank, and he struggles to get out of his seat. And I'm like, what are you doing, Mike? He's a real heart guy. I thought he's going to stand up, and he's going to say, oh, I love small group. Oh, I love it. And a tear in his eye. I thought, here he goes. This is going to be good. But he doesn't. He gets down on one knee and he turns to Katie next to her and he pulls out a ring and he says, Katie, I love you. Oh, he had a poem that he read actually that was an in-joke for them and, and then he said, would you marry me? You've got to have a, you've have a pretty cool small group for a bloke to say, that is so special. I'm willing to ask the woman of my dreams to marry me there. That was a cool experience. What do you reckon happened next? <laughs> Rex just said, she said no. No, it was a good story. It's a happy ending. <laughs> she said yes. But you imagine what happened next. What do you think happened next? Hugs. We stacked on them, prayed for them, loved on them. They were so smart. I thought, wow, it's normally a slightly cheesy photograph thing or in the old days just the two people. And that's cool. <laughs> I asked my wife just by myself. No Facebook thing at all. Um, but imagine doing it amongst the people that are getting to know the cover and the book. And they embrace you and they're just saying, congratulations, Polly, we love you. And then we lay hands on them and we pray blessing from the beginning of their courtship, of their um, engagement. So bring on the proposals. (laughs) 
More than anything, we want to see Life Hubs as a place where Jesus gets connected to his bride. That's what it's about. As Christians, we, we, we're matchmakers, right? We're John the Baptist. We're like, Jesus, meet so-and-so. And then we get out of the way. And they fall in love. And that they're married by faith and new life in Christ. Please don't take today as any sense of judgment on you if you're not in a small group. I personally really understand that Sometimes we can actually be hurt by the last group and it's taken us a long time to get the courage. Some of us have a personality type that's just like, oh, it's so scary for me to even go there. Um, whatever the thing is that's holding you back, I just want to encourage you today, Christianity has been designed to be done together. Because that triangle represents the Trinity. And if you've forgotten it, don't. The only thing that's eternal is what? Starts with R, rhymes with relationships. Relationships are eternal. They're eternal. If you aren't known and loved by other people who love Jesus, join a small group. Let me know and we'll um, get you involved. We don't have a lot of small groups at the moment. Oh, I forgot to say, there's another slide. What do you reckon that represents? There's room for more. There's room for more. Lord God, we commit to you the relationships of our church, your body, your church. We pray for healthy relationships. We pray that you might lead us on, that we might be the church the way we're meant to be. In Jesus' name, amen.